If you're looking for a good read, I have one for you. Don't go anywhere. Eric Braden is next. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're having fun already, just pre-show. Hi, you guys. Welcome to Book Circle Online. I'm your host, James Law Jr., and I'm so glad you could join me today. And many of you guys were already tweeting me and sending me Facebook messages. You are so excited as I am. I'm living the American dream. I am. I just talk to people like this person. The word legend is thrown around loosely sometimes, but in this case, it is true. This this gentleman has been around for so long, and he wrote a juicy wonderful, insightful book. It's called I'll Be Damned, How My Young and Restless Life Led Me to America's Number One Daytime Drama. And he is front burner storyline. I'm telling you, he's on there all the time. It is my buddy. I'm so glad he is here, Mr. Eric Braden. James Roman, how the hell are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I want to just dig right in. I'm just going to dig right in. With this book, did you accomplish what you set out I don't know. You know, I was prevailed upon by my family and friends to finally write the biography, and here we are. I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> it's, um, you know, I hope people will enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, been in this business since 1962. God, uh, yes. A hell of a long time. Yes. <laughs> a little and, bit of a long time, uh, yeah. <laughs> seen, it, seen it all. Yes. So it's all in the book. Yeah. And congratulations on 37-year anniversary on Young and the Restless. That amazing. 37. I mean, actors, you know, actors usually nomadic. You don't have a job for 37 years. No, you don't. It is abnormal. Yeah. And 30 years of number one. Yeah. And that's extraordinary. Very much. Well, you, well if anybody watches the show, as we do, you know, it's high quality. It's a damn well-made show. Mm-hmm. And I would say, arguably, it is the hardest medium in this business. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't be give a good performance... In a film on nighttime television, you should get the hell out of the business. <laughs> Try it with us. Yeah. Anywhere between 10 and I've done as many as 62 pages in one day. So... You just absorb yes. the stuff. Yes. Then you try to be as true to the dialogue and the scenes as you can. You know? People read the book because there's, there's, you talk about how your wife kind of helps you with that in the book on how to, you know, play the character and some of the things, the storylines that kind of happen. On the show. No, she just um, changed my attitude about it and said try to make the best of it. Try to look at it as a challenge. It's an enormous challenge. It's a physical challenge. It's a mental challenge to absorb that much dialogue every day and then to give a good performance. That's a challenge. So once I turned that corner and once uh, Bill Bell wrote a storyline explaining my background of having been left at the doorsteps of an orphanage mm-hmm. at the age of seven, I then knew I would stay. It had legs. You mean you yes. knew that your character had legs? And what, this is what we'll do. We will go, I'll go right into that. The thing about Victor Newman that I think is uh, one of the, the rare things, and in your book you talk about different meetings and things with people, your fan base crosses color, mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. well, generation, age, generation, gender. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, I mean... I was thinking, I liken it to like maybe Erica Kane, Susan Lucci, or G.R. Ewing, you know, Harry Hagman. Like, there's very few characters that just cross everything. No matter where you go, your your character is well liked or admired. Isn't that wonderful? 
considering what a bastard I've been. <laughs> You know, yes, yes. Take no prisoner guy <laughs> and Machiavellian and manipulative and not too kind to his family very often. Well, you know. And <laughs> uh, you know. Well no, Victor thinks he knows what's best. Yes. <laughs> he thinks he knows what's best. Yes, for everybody. If they just do what you said, then be fine, right? As as some people in political life think they know what's best. <laughs> we're gonna get there too, good. I need to remind you anyway. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get there a little yes. later. Yes, the fans want to know what you think. So we'll, we'll get there. Yes. But yeah, no. But the thing is, I think what they did a beautiful job of, and you talk about it in the book too. Um, read it; it's, it's all in there. Uh, how they gave you a backstory first with your mother, then with George Kenny playing your father, right. and that really did help us see Victor Newman as a full dimensional, not cartoonish character. Exactly. And I'm eternally grateful to Bill Bell, who was the originator and, and for many years, of course, the head writer of the show, for having come up with a storyline. Yeah. I will never forget it. Yeah. And that, that is the reason I'm still here. That makes sense. Because I think a lot of characters, we don't know what they're doing. We don't know what their motivation is. And so they fall into cartoonery or you just don't like them as much. Victor Newman endures because we know where he came from. We know when he, does, when he yells at Victoria or yells at... There's something behind it. And there's something... Uh, essentially tragic about the character mm-hmm. because he wants closeness, he wants his family, yet he doesn't trust it because yeah. of his early childhood experiences. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a tug of war within himself mm-hmm. more than anyone else. And there are moments when there's a disconnect with his family because he doesn't trust it. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So it is made, makes for a character that I... And blessed to be able to play for all these years. Because, you know, Victor does love hard. When you do love, no matter whether it's Nikki or Ash or whoever, yes. you do fall. I feel like Victor does fall in love. Yes. He's in. Yes, he is in. Until he is. something happens, but he's, he's in. A, he's a committed person, mm-hmm. you know. No halfway measures. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like and that's why I said with the kids and everything, you are, Victor Newman is in, he just wants everything to run smoothly, and people but just does, keep but messing it up. But don't cross me. Don't call you, don't cross you. No. Then it's not <laughs> all the way in. <laughs> but even in the small scenes, there was this scene you had a couple weeks ago that just made me laugh. You came, It was like on a Friday, and you came in to talk to Victoria, and she's telling you, yeah, I'm going to be part of, by part of Brass and Sassy back. And you're like, are you stupid? It's like that scene made me laugh because you said it kind of like in love to her, like, come on, girl, you know better than that. It's just, it, was a, it was a small scene, but the way you said it, it's just like, you're already cutting me down already. It's like that. You're like, you're like, no, sweetheart, you can own the whole company. Like, it was like, you want to, you admire her, but you also want to help her a little bit. It's like, come on, girl. It was a, fu- it was a funny scene to That's me. That's a dilemma that I think many fathers have, or many mothers yes. have, who have experience in life. And they see their offspring commit some kind of a what they think is a folly, is a bad mistake, and uh, yet you don't want to interfere too much. Right. Because, and this goes for my personal life as well, mm-hmm. you know the limits thereof, and you uh, know how dangerous it is to preempt the growing process of your own offspring. Mm-hmm. offspring. Mm-hmm. In my case, my son, and who has his own mind, as his father <laughs> has had, and... Uh, but he sometimes uh, will ask me for uh, certain advice along certain lines. Yeah. But I'm very proud of him. In other words, as a parent, you're proud of the independence of your children, mm-hmm. yet you watch them with a certain amount of trepidation mm-hmm. sometimes. You, know? you do. It's hard. I'm a parent. Yes. I know it's hard. Yeah. Uh, grown children. And you bring up your son, Christian, because what I found in the book very interesting, 
throughout the book because he's you mentioned certain situations and things. You talk very loving about him. Oh, there was a happiest moment in my life when he was born, you know, and has been that ever since. I have loved having a, a child, a boy, and he's now a man and a big man, tough guy. <laughs> yes, yes. I can't fight with him anymore. <laughs> he used to box, but now he'll beat the crap out of me. He can? No, you're no, he, he does. I, I admit to it. And uh, we used to box together. I used to take him to the ghetto gyms, Hoover Street Gym. I know you did, I know you did over there, yes. Henry Eighth and Broadway, and, yeah. uh, but he has since graduated from that. He is into uh, uh, the Gracie. Oh, yeah, Gracie. Yeah, okay, uh, yes. Jiu-jitsu stuff yeah. and, and Muay Thai boxing. Yeah. And uh, he's become a bad boy in that sense. <laughs> so, but I I coached him in soccer for almost 25 years. Wow. More than that. And so we're very close. And he has, in this profession, he wanted to be a writer since he was, and a director since he was 10 years old. Wow. Never changed his mind. That's interesting. He saw The Shining at the age of 10. Oh. So my rather artistic wife and creative wife allowed him to go into the movie theater, sneak into it in Westwood. <laughs> and uh, he sat in the back with another friend, and he came out one day, jumped into a car and said, at the age of 10, he says, one day I'll make movies like this. Never changed his mind. Wow. And now he's directing uh, his own script called Den of Thieves, a heist movie, a hell of a movie. That'd be good. With O'Shea Jackson and 50 Cent, and Gerard Butler stars in it. Oh, that'd be good. So they're filming right now in Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. I'm so proud of him, you have no idea. I, well, I get an idea. I do get an idea in, like, say, in the book. I felt the undertones of it. Because yeah. whenever you mention him, because it must be hard for him on some level to be the son of Eric Braden. I mean, like, it's kind of, anybody that's a strong father, whether it's in, in this industry or not, you know, I'm James Lott Jr. I come from a strong father, too. It's kind of a weird thing where you're kind of coming out from that. Yeah. But you want to admire at the same time, too. If you're close, it's like, well... We're close. Interesting dilemma, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. Very interesting dilemma. Also for a father. You mm-hmm. don't know uh, to what degree to impose your ideas. And I've stopped doing that a long time ago. Yeah. But um, now I have wonderful grandchildren. Yes, you do. I adore, you know, Tatiana, who is 13. And just adore her. And, and Oksana and Angelica. Oksana is five or six now. Angelica, so my son has given me three wonderful grandparents. Yeah. I love it. And the I have grandkids too. They're just yeah. great. Just, we had this talk last time. But what I, want to, what I do want to ask you in relation to that is you lost your father when you were young. You talk about yeah. it in the book, of course. Yeah. So I always feel like for me, I became the father I didn't really have for my kids. It's interesting. So, I mean, I, I came full circle. I didn't, I didn't realize that until I was grown. Right. Until they started talking to me and saying, well, you right. were always there at every game, and you were always right. there. Like, right. the things that I didn't get, right. I was there for them. Right. You know, I'm busy, I was busy parenting. Like, you know, right. you're just busy doing it. Right. But when I looked, I was like, wait a minute, I actually was the father. I didn't seem to have myself. How do you feel like that about for you? I guess, I guess you were, obviously, your father died. You were young. You were here for Christian so far, you know. Right. I remember my father... Uh... Very warm feelings about him, fond memories, and uh, but I lost him too early. I was twelve. Yeah, you know. And since that time, I've been my own father. What usually happens mm. is that boys who lose their fathers at a, at a young age, uh, they become very angry, and you get into fights. Yeah, you know. Yeah, at the drop of a dime sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm slowed down with. <laughs> Well, they will think of Gets you into trouble. <laughs> but uh, I don't take any shit. Yeah. You know? And it's from that because you become your own father, as it were. Interesting. And um, 
Yeah. Did you have any other any male figures other around at all, or or no? I grew up with three brothers. Okay, yeah. But we fought all the time. <laughs> there you go. And I questioned every male figure that there was. Interesting. After my father died. Interesting. Didn't trust the teachers. Didn't buy some of their bullshit. Wow. And um, I was very, very interested at the age of 14, 15 in, in religion. I grew up as a Protestant. Mm-hmm. And the figure that really impressed me enormously at the time was Albert Schweitzer. Oh, okay. You know, who went to Africa and worked as a doctor in a, yeah. leper, in a leper colony yeah. all his life practically. Wow. That impressed me enormously. And I, there's something about, and I'm not religious, but there's something about the notion of, of Jesus uh, tending to the poor and tending to those who have less than mm-hmm. and having uh, that prostitute wash his feet. Right. Right. And it, in other words, the humanity of that mm-hmm. impressed me enormously. Yeah. That I took with me from the early reading of the Bible. Very good. If you will. Um, I am just against all religion when they become dogmatized, yeah. when they start putting things into definitive words. I right. say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, slow down. Right. Um, it's like we're the original tenets of just like being kind to your neighbor and, and helping people out, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that, that Islam has that. I'm sure that Judaism has that. I just know it from Christianity. Mm-hmm. The notion of giving and the notion of forgiving, mm-hmm. powerful notions. It's very powerful. You know? And the notion of not looking at people because they're from a different ethnic background mm-hmm. or religious background. And. Um, and I bring it down in my own life mm-hmm. to the notion I ask people sometimes when I see them full of venom about other people. I say, um, did you choose your parents? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Did you or I choose our parents? Mm-hmm. No. Right. So the rest is all acculturation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, our education is very important. Mm-hmm. The culture in which we grew up is very important. Uh, but there's a basic humanity we need to recognize and acknowledge in each other. Otherwise, what? Right. you walk around with blinders on, yeah. and you walk around with stupid prejudices, right. and anger, and, and exclusionary thinking. Mm. Who the hell are we? Right, the right. Neither you nor I chose our parents. Yeah. We just do the best with what we were given. That's true, right? Yeah. I like that. And it kind of brings me into, I mean, you know, years later, you came from, you know, war-torn Germany. But years later is when you actually learned of your country's history. That's right. I saw a documentary film. Uh, I grew up in the 50s in Germany, 40s and 50s, and left when I was 18. I just turned 18. And during the, in the 50s, one didn't discuss yet the horrors of that I'm war. I'm sure, I'm sure. We just saw, as kids growing up, we saw, you know, the Russian, the soldiers coming back from the Russian front, uh, no legs or one leg or wow. blind or deaf or whatever. Uh, enormous sacrifices. That son of a bitch sent uh, the German soldiers <sighs> into into a dreadful war. Yeah. And then, of course, afterwards, in the early 60s, for most Germans, they found out about the concurrent horrors that were committed by the regime in the name of Germany. And for that, I will never forgive them, ever forgive them. And when I saw the documentary in Beverly Hills, on Beverly Beverly Drive and Wilshire Boulevard, there was a movie theater, and I played Mein Kampf. And I was lonely. I'd been here only for two or three years, and I was lonely. 
Yeah. I thought there's something German. I yes, said, I'm German. It's like, okay. Let's go in. Not realizing. Oh, my God. It was a Swedish documentary about wow. the horrors of that regime. And I was fundamentally shaken. I'm sure. I'm sure. And that to happened. your core. That happened to millions of Germans in my generation in Germany. Many of don't talk about it. It's mm-hmm. too difficult to talk about. Yeah, I'm sure. You, you, you are filled with anger. You're filled with shame. You're filled with such resentment towards the older generation. Mm. And then uh, I was, remember, told by my agent, Walter Kona, who was a Jewish agent who had fled Czechoslovakia during that time. And he said, you know, be careful before you condemn the entire older generation. It's far more complex than one realizes on the surface. Right. And um, then I began to study intensely. Yeah. And um, to come to some terms with that period. Yeah. And I'm okay, you know. You can reconcile uh, it, obviously. Reconcile it. Yeah. And then, of course, you cannot help but look at prejudice everywhere. Yes, I'm sure now. Now you're in America and you're seeing stuff happen. Well, the Are 60s. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I came in 59 and took the Greyhound bus from New York to wow. Galveston, Texas. Yeah. And talk about the starkness of that racism. Well, you saw it firsthand, I know. I remember coming in, you know, I thought I came to the the democracy in the world and I saw these signs for whites only, for colors only. Oh my God. And it was strict. I mean, they made no bones. Oh, I know, I know. It was it. Yeah. And then later on, I read a book much, much later called Without Sanctuary. Oh, okay. Which should be must reading in all high schools in America. Okay. And uh, written by a white guy who was a antique dealer in the southern states of America. Okay. And he came upon postcards that people had written to each other saying, come to barbecue next week in Mobile, Alabama, whatever. That men come to the burning alive of a black man. Oh, my God. It's a book called Without Sanctuary. I'd love to look that up. Without Sanctuary, guys. I'll look that up myself. Telling you, you fall on your ass. Oh, my God. So, but none of it, it's, it's nonsense to compare cruelties. Right. But it just opened your eyes to the larger picture of just... Look, here in Los Angeles, uh, you must remember there were certain clubs that didn't admit Jews. Right. Never mind black people. Right, no right. But they didn't admit Jews until the 60s. Until the 60s. And yet everyone points to Germany in the 12-year period. Right. And it's kind of a way of looking away from your own shit, Mm -hmm. and now you concentrate Mm -hmm. on... The greatest horror of all time, which was the Holocaust. No yeah. question about it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no question. question about no it. No question. Yeah, I agree. But as a German, you are constantly torn about this. I'm sure. You know, because I'm ang- angered by that constant uh, 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 connection. And because I grew up with perfectly normal people. Yeah, right, right. And, um, yeah. Anyway. It's, it's funny how our past um, doesn't form how we walk through life. You have to, but you have to find a way to make it fit on some level. And it's like, and forgiveness, as like we said just a second ago, is a real big part of it. But you first must understand it. You yeah. must talk about it. I agree. And understand it. And then you say, okay, I have dealt with it sufficiently now, and I must come to peace with it, you know? One of the things I learned, was from, I think it was from an Oprah show, that forgiveness is giving up the hope the past could be any different. That's a, you, very, that's a very good. That's that's a very. It that's changed my life. Good. It changed my life. Once I heard yeah. that, it was like that makes sense. The past can't be changed. No, it's already there. It's there. But talk about it. Get to know it. Figure out what's what's it all about, and then find a place for it. 
But acknowledge it. Acknowledge it, yeah. Because without looking at history, without seeing the importance of what happened, we tend to make the same mistakes. Well, you, now, it, Eric, it, everyone it, in the world tonight's yeah. house can be sitting down with you. Yeah. The One of the major questions besides Victor Newman stuff was just like, find out his take on kind of what's going on today. <laughs> I mean, because you could, again, you come from war-torn Germany, you know, things like that. And then we have our new president. And they're just kind of curious if you have a few words on kind of how you, <laughs> how you feel about it these days. I mean, what kind of insight can you give us a little bit? I mean, he has a very pretty daughter. Okay, very good. <laughs> I love it. Very good. Pretty wife. Yeah. Where do I start? <laughs> Let me put it this way. The Democrats obviously missed an opportunity to acknowledge those hundreds of thousands of Americans who lost their jobs because of globalization and because of automation. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't pay enough attention to that. Yeah. What we, I mean. Why don't you mean the collective kind of? Uh, the the, the uh, Clinton campaign. Yeah. There was not enough emphasis given to the very successful attempt by Obama to bail the auto industry out of a cataclysmic decline. Mm -hmm. And we were paid back Obama's investment in the auto industry, bailing it out, was paid back with dividends. Mm -hmm. Notwithstanding the argument of the morons who say, oh no, it didn't happen. Right. right. You kidding me? It yeah, did happen. It did happen, right. It did happen and was paid back in spades. Meaning, if you invest public monies in certain worthwhile endeavors, mm -hmm. you'll be paid back. Right. Remember one thing. My Republican friends, I always say to listen, the Social Security check that your parents probably get, the Medicare that they receive, all this money goes back into the economy immediately. Poor people don't save money. They put it back into the economy. It circulates again in the economy. What the hell are they talking about? What are they not realizing? Right. What bullshit are they trying to sell us? Right. So, having said that, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans have a good way to solve the problem of that attended globalization and automation, yeah. meaning that many of those hard-working people mm -hmm. lost their jobs. They did. So, how do we solve it? Obama tried to spend public monies to build up America's infrastructure that is in dire straits, mm -hmm. needs to be built up. We could have employed millions of people yeah. in the process. Yeah. We didn't do that. No. He wanted to do it. Yeah, right. The Congress said no to yeah. everything you must remember. I don't care whether black, white, whatever <laughs> you are, 8 to 80, a Republican Democrat, the Republican caucus under Mitch McConnell got together at the time of the ascension of power of Obama that night mm -hmm. and said nothing that comes from Obama will we approve of, will we cooperate with? Nothing. Mm -hmm. That ain't democracy. Right, right. That has nothing to do with democracy, has nothing to do with a mature democracy. Mm -hmm. That's shameful. Mm -hmm. George Washington warned 
of hyper-partisanship. That's what we are suffering from right now and have for the last, ever since Newt Gingrich, to be honest with you. The essence of democracy, the essence of what they do in Congress is to move their asses and make compromises. I'm not saying that government is always right. Are you kidding me? Of course not. It needs to be investigated. It needs to be checked. Mm -hmm. No question about that. Yeah, completely. But to do without it? You serious? Right. Let me give you one example. People talk about free enterprise. Mm-hmm. Great. But unchecked free enterprise, unfettered free enterprise, is essentially Darwinian, mm-hmm. meaning the strongest will survive, yeah. meaning it will eventually lead to the antithesis of free enterprise. Mm-hmm. It will lead to monopoly. Mm, yes. Okay. yes. That's why we had the Sherman Antitrust Act in this country yeah. in 1900, to prevent the agglomeration of power in fewer and fewer hands, mm. which then will lead to the antithesis of free. It'll be monopoly. Yeah. So that was an edict that Congress came up with. Mm-hmm. Very smart, very good. Yeah. Social Security came about in the 30s by FDR, mm-hmm. helped a lot of people, and a lot of the parents of those right-wingers who say, oh, everything right. that government does is bad. Are you kidding me? What the hell are you talking right. about? They were helped. Do your parents get help from Medicare? Yes, they do. Or some Medicaid? Mm-hmm. This, is, this, this ideological bullshit has got to stop. We have got to look at it and stop arguing in extreme ways. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what is happening right now, I wish them well. Um, I think he is in for a... Hell of a ride. Hopefully yes. we aren't in for the same ride. Right, right. Uh, the, the world is complex. Is. But for you, for example, to, to have a, a Muslim ban and not include Saudi Arabia that has produced most terrorists, yes. okay, that finances madrasas, mm-hmm. which are very hostile towards yeah. anyone outside of Islam, yeah. um, is so utterly hypocritical, I could scream. Yeah. So... But his notion and his attempt to want a dialogue with Russia, that's okay. okay. I agree with that. Okay. One thing I wish had not happened after the demise of the Soviet Union, I wish that NATO and the West had reached out to Russia and said, join us. Yeah, they did that all. They just join us. They're just like, you're evil, bye. That's it. Join us. Yeah. Where does this stupid, on the left and the right thinking come from, yeah. that Russia is just intrinsically evil? Don't do that. Right. And I agree with Trump. Reach out your hand and say, let's talk. Okay. Why he's doing it, yeah, we no, don't know. That's right. But the talking, but the fact you're, that you're he for. is, we yeah. need to talk. You talk. Okay? And I think that is... The essence of what I also tried to convey in the book. Um, I played soccer mm-hmm. with 70 Israelis, learned a lot about prejudice amongst them as oh, well, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. between Ashkenazi Jews and Sephardi Jews. Oh, okay. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but I also learned that I don't care what background you're from, there are tough guys everywhere. Don't ever underestimate anyone, Mm -hmm. anyone, Mm -hmm. be they from Syria, be they from Afghanistan, be they from Germany, be they from France, be they from Vietnam. Do not underestimate anyone. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, tough guys everywhere. Yeah. And only when you play sports do you learn that. That's funny. Only when you get your clock clean do you learn that. <laughs> and some people in Washington, D.C. never got their clock clean. Right. So they walk around with megalomanic feelings and mm-hmm. feelings of omnipotence. No, you're not. Get in the ring with someone. Get in the sporting field with someone. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's why I always resented Hitler and those henchmen around him. Soft asses. Right. Who talk big. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. But weren't, in there. Shit. but weren't in there. They weren't in there. They weren't in the ring to get clocked. No. They weren't in the sporting fields. No. What I always admired about the Brits and the Americans. The Brits play rugby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the highest level. Yeah. And the Americans play football on the highest level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always admired that yeah. about the Anglos and the Anglo Saxons. Always. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And the damn Nazi people, from Hitler to Goebbels to Go- all those people, never got their ass. Interesting. Kicked. Interesting. We're looking at it. I like that. Think about until that. you can get your until you get your hands dirty. It should be a litmus test, right? For anyone running for politics, <laughs> you should ask him. Did you ever, you know, hear with someone else? Did you ever learn to respect another human being for what he or she can do to you? Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. They've never been checked. No. So they all have soft hands. Hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that analogy. I mean, a lot of times I always say sports are good. I let my kids play sports, my grandkids, they all play sports, because it's, it's a good test about life. You learn a sense of fairness. Yes. You learn a sense of fairness. Mm-hmm. And to cheat then, in an obvious way, is anathema to you. Mm-hmm. You say, wait a minute, he cheated? What? Right. Do you understand? The outrage is becomes part of you. Yes. For someone who cheats. Yes, yes. Uh, that's like James, like that. this is my God. I know. It's like therapy here. Then <laughs> you come with me. You know, we, we talk. You know, we talk. We, right. we do. We talk. That's here. what we need to do. We yeah. need to talk. Yeah. Honestly, without bullshit. Right. Exactly. And just matter of factly. So we just talk matter of factly. There we go. Because um, I mean, here I look at you, and you are proof of the American dream. Yeah. Because it's funny, you come, you come from nothing, from another country. Yeah. Yeah. You came here, and you're successful in a field that's unconventional. Listen, when I hear someone say, <laughs> we need to make America great again, I say, where the hell have you been? It's already great. What world have you lived right. in? Right. This is the greatest country in the world. It is always renewing itself. It is always improving itself. Mm-hmm. We have an enormous influence over the rest of the world. We do. Unbelievable. Trust me. I grew you up know. in a country where we listened to Louis Armstrong, Elvis Presley, yeah. and where we just sort of were imbued with that sense of freedom in America, in America mm-hmm. to claim that this is not great anymore. Who the hell is he to say that? Right. Where has he been? Right. We need to improve certain things. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But to say that? Yeah. I resent that. Yeah. I deeply resent that. We are great. We've this always is a country of immigrants. And yes. by the way, something you may not know, the largest ethnic group in America is German. Is it really? Did I, I did not know that. Go on, go on Google. But there's always German towns over the country, but I never knew. Because I mean, of Google. Just look at Google. Okay. Largest ethnic group in America wow. is German. So the contributions of my fellow countrymen to this country have been fundamental and yeah. substantial. Wow. Substantial. Yeah. But because of both world wars, because Germany was led by two people with enormous inferiority complexes, the Kaiser and then Hitler, yeah. um, don't ever get people involved in politics who have inferiority complexes. <laughs> Dangerous see. stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Dangerous I'm sure. stuff. I'm sure. And, um, yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm proud of I'm so proud of this country. I'm a proud citizen. I um, re- am enormously and deeply resentful of anyone who claims we need to mar- need to make America great again, and to claim, which is an absolute joke. We need to make our military strong again. Are you kidding me? Right, we're strong already. Are you ki- Listen to whoever you are that said that. <laughs> we're the strongest nation in the world. This is the strongest military in the world. No one comes even close to it. Yep. That's the reality. Yeah. The rest is just bullshit yeah. that someone is selling in order to gather votes from people who know nothing about what really goes on. That's true. Education, number one. Hello. Education. Hello. We, we just we need that reality checks. Yes, we do, and that's that's very important. We can't we can't move forward without proper education. Everybody needs to be educated, and what's like what the world is going on, and I think it's one of those things here in America. Like you said, there are parts of the country where people are literally starving and trying to make any end meet. Yes, and that's their, that's all they can see in front of them. So yes. when someone comes and says something, yes, and I understand. And I, I, really understand. And I understand, I understand that. that. I really understand that. I don't blame those folks for it. I just blame the Democrats and Hillary Clinton for not paying enough attention to that. Yeah. I can really? Understand. I, understand. I totally understand that. On a little lighter note, yep. we're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, well, actually, slightly lighter. Tell everybody for the record, because you say it in the book, and mm-hmm. I'm like, just for the record, you and Peter Bergman respect each other and you are fine. You bet. You bet. What an amazing actor he is. Peter and I, Peter and I had our differences many years ago, and... Uh, I have. We have both learned to respect each other, mm-hmm. okay. And uh, I think our conflict uh, is, to a large extent, what has driven the show. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Completely. And uh, I have nothing but the deepest respect for him. As an actor, he is damn well prepared and brings it every time. And um, so do I, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Now I have to ask you because I don't. I didn't see this in the book. His nicknames for you, were they his thing or were they written for him? You know, I don't know whether he called the me mustache. the mustache. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I call him Jackass Abbott. Yeah, exactly. So I love your nicknames for each other all the time. Yes. I have no idea whether Peter came up with it. Peter, did you come up with the did mustache then? Right. And but Jackass Abbott, was that you? I came up with it. I was like, it's, it's, that's You're hilarious. Back. Because I'm a sick and tired of being just called the mustache. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Anyway, <laughs> and you celebrated the anniversary with uh, with uh, Nikki, basically on the show. I think it was like thirty five years or thirty thirty three, like that. Recently, I'm, also, I'm, I'm blessed to have been Billy Thomas with, Scott. I'm blessed to have been working with her. Love working with her. Yeah, yeah. And we love to get pissed off with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We are very good on those scenes. We yes. always hung each other afterwards and said, "Damn, that felt good." <laughs> We, we, we get angry well together. Well, I like I can get angry well together. I like that. And you know, people, if you guys don't know this, she also was a child actress. Yes. I mean, she's been in, she was in Marnie and she's in things. But I'm like, I go, oh my god, that's Billy Thomas Scott. I'm like, oh my god, that's her. Yes, so, that's but right. she's a pro. I mean, she's around for a oh, long totally time. Pro. Complete pro. Love working with her. You know, yeah. uh, Eileen Davidson. Eileen Davidson is one of the most enduringly beautiful women. Uh, oh my, she looks good. That looks better in, now in, she ever has on television. Oh, my and, God. And um, I, I wish we had had more of a, um, you know, um, romance on the show. Yeah. And, um, but the writers veered away from it, and, and who knows? But people it's, remember that. People remember you guys, though. It's like yeah. people still are holding out hope for you guys a little right, bit. Right. 
that's a, that's a testament to yes, you guys. Yes, I think it's it would be an interesting path to Melody. Don't listen. But yeah, close your ears, Melody. Nikki, don't close your ears. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I've been. I mean, uh, Eileen has been a wonderful actress. Uh, Michelle Stafford, who was on our show, I love. Yes. Oh, she loves you too. She says she says you, you text her and check on her once in a while and say hello. Yeah, I do, I do. Billy Miller, who left, oh, yeah, Billy was great. Miller. But you know the, the new guy, Jason. Yes, is damn good. As well. He's good. He is damn good as well. And Christian LeBlanc is a wonderful actor. Greg Ricard, Christoph Saint John, your buddy, love, Christoph. He's, yes. he's my close friend. Yeah, love working with Christoph and and uh, uh, James Brighton. Yes. Well, now look how he's grown up and grown into his character. Fantastic. I'm loving the way Devon is right now being Fantastic. written. He's doing so. He's Brighton is coming up to the challenge. And and um, um, his sister, right? Oh yes, um, Khalil. Yeah, Khalil. Yes, Khalil, yes. She's, she's good too. Beautiful girl. Great actress. Yes, very good. I mean, and then and then the girl that plays. Uh, uh, Christoph's ex-wife, who has a oh, affair with yes, the son. Oh, she's good. Mm, she's very good. She's very good. Yeah, yeah, who plays Hillary? She's really good. And I, to be honest with you, I remember fondly remember Victoria Rowe, who was a oh damn, yes, great damn actress. good actress. Yes, damn good actress. Now you know I talked to your girl Heather Tom not too long ago. She was on my show. Heather, and, and she loves you, of course. Yeah, <laughs> you talk about her in the book too. Uh, she's just, <laughs> Look how heard, she's grown too. Known Heather since she was what fourteen, fifteen. Yes. Five-time Emmy winner. One of the brightest girls I've ever known. She's very smart, yes. One of the brightest people I've ever known. She's very smart. And very down-to-earth. I went to a high school graduation, and uh, I'll never forget it. Very, very warm, fond feelings towards Heather. She grew up in in difficult, difficult circumstances, you know. Father was never around, and... uh, I'm so proud of her. I saw her the other night in a totally different medium. Entertainment... Was it called Entertainment Tonight or whatever? Okay, yeah, maybe, Yes. But yeah, because she was. Yeah, she was hosting it. She, she was, was co-hosting damn good. No, she's good. She's co-hosting with me on her show. Yes. She's, she is really good. Yes, she's wonderful. She's a natural. I, just, I love her. I just think she's. I mean, she's yeah. super nice, and I'm going to have her again on my show. And Josh O'Morrow, who plays my son, oh, I yeah. can't forget him. He plays Nicholas, uh, great father in real life. Great father has four kids, and reminds me of me when I grew up. Because he, he is always on the on the soccer field, baseball field, coaching his kids, <laughs> and as I was with my son. Yes. You know, so uh, great kid and good actor. No, he's a he's no, I think I think he's underrated sometimes. Well, he's totally underrated because he does it with an ease. Yes, I think Joshua and I've told him that could have been a big star in film and nighttime television. Oh, okay, I can see that. I really mean he's that. a natural. He's a natural. Yeah. He's just such a natural. He's he so likable. Yeah. And I think I say he's one of the unsung heroes, like him, Sharon Case, of course, your girl Sharon, Sharon Case, Case, who is very who's good. amazing, uh, very good. And then uh, Amelia Heinle, your, your, your Emilia, Emilia Heinle, Heinle, I pro- pronounce it the German way. Yes, I, she plays Victoria. I adore her and love her, and I just adore working with her. And Melissa Aldway, yes, I mean what light she brings into a room. Oh yeah, she's so beautiful bright. and yeah. good. And um, your grandkids, You're, you talk about that how good you are with, this, with, with you and Faith. The girl who plays Faith. You guys are good uh, together. It reminds, <laughs> it reminds me of my granddaughter Tati, you know, who I adore. Yeah, and it just reminds me of it. I mean, it just warms your heart when they come into a room. But it shows another side of Victor. That's what we like. It shows another side because yeah. he's not manipulating them yet or anything yet. He hasn't oh, got there yet. He's hopefully just, never. I know. <laughs> Oh, well, no. do, well can Victor so, learn? Is it Victor going to be easy to learn? I'm so tired of the manipulative <laughs> shit. No, damn. Well, that's what Victor you does, know. though. But you can't, you can't help it, I no guess. No against Jack Abbott, but leave them, leave the kids alone. <laughs> well, not completely. I mean, my son, the grown-up son and, and grown-up daughters, Yes. every so often, as you pointed out, yeah. they need to be pointed yeah, in the right direction. Yeah, just kind of scooch that way that's a little right. bit. 
Um, now, one book, part of the book that actually surprised me and shocked me, um, like literally was like my mouth was on the floor as I'm reading this chapter, um, a former co-star, they're kind of their whole just anger towards you, just going against you. He, read, the, read the book. It's in the book. Uh, we won't go into details heavily, but just that I was very, I mean, it was very interesting that you added that in the book and it was just very real how you were talking about it. I felt so bad for you. It's a sad story. I was like, oh my God. We, I'm sad kind of story. Is, to be but, honest with yeah. you, I, I feel there's part of me that feels sad for him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what, that's what comes across in the and, book, uh, that you're like, uh, this is really a uh, sad situation. Very gifted actor. Yeah. And uh, anyway. Just we never know that that stuff happens on, 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 on these shows sometimes, like like that. You know, you hear little squabbles here and there, but like that one was completely kind of, we didn't hear this, and you included it in the books, like, wow. Mm-hmm. So folks in there, you want to read something in there. How, okay, here's a question for you. Yeah. Because you're still vital and still alive. He's, folks, he's still working and taping episodes of Young and Rest at the same time as he's promoting this book. I want you guys to know that. Um, you're not sitting and wheeling away in Palm Springs retired. You're oh, still working. So it's like. Kidding? <laughs> I fall asleep just thinking about it. Can it's you like, imagine? Exactly. I can't imagine you doing that. With a walker and then <laughs> play a little golf. Yes, are you kidding me? Eat dinner at four o'clock. Me more. I mean, George Collin once said, watching. People play golf. It's like watching two flies fornicate. So I'm sorry to say that. Yeah, I like that. I yeah, like I'm that. Oh, I mean, to play it is different. Yes. Okay? That's different, right. I think. <laughs> I'm still... I, I always say to my friends who play golf, uh, when I get much older, then perhaps I will entertain that thought. But they tell me then it's too late. <laughs> because... Much too late. Yes. I have so great funny. respect for the sport. I have great respect for any sport. Yeah, I know. And I know actually, I know you do. You bet. Um... How vulnerable was it for you to write about? Because write about your soap history or your TV shows or your Broadway. That's one thing. That's, that's your work. Hmm. How vulnerable did you have to get to actually write about your personal stuff in this book? And put th- it out there. Before. I thought about it for a while. And the story that you alluded to before, uh, difficult. But, you know, I needed to set the record straight. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, because I take seriously what some fans believe. Mm-hmm. And if I were based on truth, I'd be the first one to admit it. So, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, you would. You would. But if it's based on an absolute distortion of the facts, then it angers me. And then I would say something, and I did. Mm-hmm. That was arguably the most difficult part, I think. Oh, it was that one? Okay. Yeah, I think it was one of the most difficult parts. I don't like to talk about it. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. You're more so than talking about your loss of your father and stuff. That wasn't as hard. Well, that I've dealt with. Okay. You know. Okay. Uh, that was the hardest time, but in in the writing of it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. This whole thing, but in the writing of it, I thought about it. I don't like to badmouth uh, anyone. I don't like to. I don't like to do that. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you come after me. I'm going to come after okay. you. Okay. That's all there's to it. Now. Boxing, which is a big theme for you, and we talked about this last time on the show a little bit. There was a question I did want to ask you last time I didn't was that what does boxing mean to you today? Like, has it has the meaning changed over the years for no, you? Not really. It is so fundamental. It is, as my old boxing trainer Henry Davis, a little black man about five six, five seven, was to be a ferocious fighter, sweet man. And uh, he was a professor of street philosophy, you know, and he used to love to listen to him. And he said, remember, getting in the ring is like walking through fire. 
how right he is. He was so fundamentally, primordially scared shitless. When you get in the ring the first time, that to overcome that fear, uh, I've never forgotten that feeling. So you were scared More shitless when you first, when you first started. Are you kidding me? I used to spar first with uh, Eckhart Dugger, who was world champion in the junior middleweight division. Wow. And uh, the Hoover Street Gym. Wow. And uh, I remember him standing in front of me. And he had just this, this, this look in the eyes of a fighter. It's kind of a dead look. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and he said, all right, hit me. Wow. And we started. And let me tell you, I'll never forget it. I'd been in many brawls before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is different. That's different, I'm sure. And when you get in the ring with a fighter, in Hoover Street Gym, all the old fighters. I, second, I still, it's the same time you, like, you mentioned, I'm like, you mentioned it last time too, I'm like, he knows the hood. Like, yeah. I know Hoover. I know, I know the hood. You know it. They used to have all the old fighters. I mean, Shotgun was in there, and then yeah. uh, Scrap Iron Johnson, and Cannonball Green, and, yeah. and all these wonderful characters. And um, they would every so often, someone would bring in a street fighter. Okay. Say, oh, yeah, man, that man, he's going he's to kill you. So the old fighters would set him up mm. and say, oh, man, be careful with my, my man. Okay, <laughs> really, really be careful. I mean, we heard some incredible things about you. <laughs> and the guy would be all puffed up oh, yeah. and ready to fight. <laughs> and they would get in with, um, there was a sweet fighter whose name I forget right now, um, Stewart, Michael Stewart. Okay. And little guy, five, five, wow. five, six. Wow. And he would, and these guys would be street fighters. Yeah. Michael Stewart would get in the ring with them, be very nice, very humble. <laughs> Would take them apart. Oh my God, I love it. Would take them apart. I love it. Because to get hit by a fighter yeah. is a totally different thing yeah. than to get hit by a normal guy, a yeah. civilian, as yeah. they call them. Yeah. Totally different story. Yeah. I have the deepest respect for them. What I've learned, obviously, is that getting, getting hit to the head is not good. <laughs> well, is, okay, that's, that's a lesson. It, is, it ain't good. I therefore have the deepest respect for the newest evolution of fighting, that is the UFC. Yeah. Wow. Could you do that, you think? <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late? Too late. But what uh, do you, if you, if I've, you came I've out no earlier... delusions of grandeur. Too late. <laughs> I had my hip re replaced That's or right. resurfaced. Forget it. Are you kidding? And anyone who was in boxing uh, doesn't like to be put on his ass. And in Ultimate Fighting, they learn the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They yeah. come from wrestling. Yeah. They come from all that stuff. You know, that's yeah. why I want to see McGregor and Mayweather. Oh, those are, oh wow, that would be good. I said it on on uh, Stephen A. Smith's show wow. first take. He asked me, "What would you like to see in sports?" I said, "I'd like to see those two fight." That'd be interesting. Once in the octagon. Okay. Where McGregor will finish him off in <laughs> fifteen twenty seconds. Wow. But then in the ring, only boxing. Uh, okay. Where McGregor doesn't stand a chance right. against Mayweather, right, right, not a chance, wow, right, not a chance. That's interesting. That's it. That's it. I'd like to see that too. That'd be really interesting. In both venues, yeah, 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 yeah. One octagon, Ultimate Fighting style, yeah. One boxing, only boxing, yeah. That's I like that. Stephen A. Smith, I'm loving him on General Hospital. <laughs> He took a great job with he, Maurice he, Bernard. He it's hilarious. A great job, and I always kid him. I said, hey, Brick, <laughs> I said, you're on the wrong damn show. You better come over to yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, would you? Why not? He's we're your gonna, buddy. Why? Why is he going to wine are? We're, we're going to manage. Him. Okay. Because I, yeah. I was like, when he came on, we're like, oh my god, we love it. He's so funny on it. He's so good on he's there. A, he's very good. He's very, very good. He's a natural. Damn good. Um, you also had Tavis Smiley write something. Write a thing. I mean, I, just, I love Tavis. Just finished an interview with him, and I've always respected him. You know, Tavis Smiley. Why he's so damn good, and why Larry King was so good. They listen. They listen. So do you, by the way. Thank you. So do you. So do you. And that is the essence of what you guys do. You listen. You're interested in what the interviewee has to say. That's important. And how long have you known Tavis? How have you known him? You've known him for a long time. Known Tavis for... 15, 20 years or whatever. Yeah, I think. yeah, a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I have great respect for him. Oh, great respect. Great respect. Greatest respect. Um, so you and Bill Bill, uh, Bill Maher. I love it. I did even on his show and stuff. I, was like, I didn't realize you guys were friends. I did that show five times. Yeah, you've been yeah. on there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember sitting next to Ann Coulter. Oh, my God. And I remember <laughs> her saying some inane yes. bullshit, like saying, we need to inundate... We need to bomb the Middle East with millions of Bibles. <sighs> and I looked at her and I said, you've got great legs. <laughs> so, and I, I love it. remember one of the shows with Bill and, and um, John Rivers. Oh, yes. And some of you talked about Bill Clinton. And uh, I said, the only impeachable offense he committed is that he used a Cuban cigar. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> what is one thing about Bill Maher that we probably would be surprised to know about? Is there is there anything I mean, about him? I mean, he's I mean he's not really that public. I mean he's he's out there. He does his, his stick and everything. But he's, I mean, he's, he's I think a rather private man. Yeah, and uh, obviously very bright. And, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, he has got his finger on the on the pulse as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. I admire him greatly. And, but in sports, I, uh, Stephen A. Smith, uh, yeah. I just can't say it enough. I listen to him, and he pisses off a lot of people. Yes. But he likes that. Bring up the haters, he Oh, says. yeah, he likes it. He because, because the, <laughs> but he is, I tell you, he doesn't pull punches. I know. No, he does not. Right. And about the Dallas Cowboys, for example, I think, as I said on that show, Jerry Jones has built an enormous empire. Mm-hmm. I congratulate him for that enormous empire. should yeah. be proud of it. But he should stay away from coaching. Mm. It's very bad. Yeah, they're, they're not doing well. Yeah. You need to give autonomy to your coach. I think he and Jimmy Johnson had that problem. I think mm. you know. Interesting. So um, I remember the Cowboys of Roger Staubach and oh yeah, well, they were America's Landry team and, at one point. Remember, they were, remember they were America's team and they were huge, fantastic, absolutely huge, and they were huge in this country. And they were loved, doing so well. I loved them then. And the Lakers, the good old Lakers, the old Lakers, they're so up and down. What's going on? Oh, come on. (laughs) What do you think is going on, Eric? It's very simple. (laughs) Jerry Buss was a powerhouse. Extraordinary, bright man, brilliant. Met him a few times. Oh, he did? Okay. And um, his son was ignored, you know. And now the son is being bequeathed with the team, the organization, and... and, uh, it's almost mythical. It is out of Greek mythology. It is the son who tries to un- unconsciously sometimes to undo what the father has created. Interesting. That's Oedipus, you know. Yeah, that's it is. The, that's in Freudian terms. You talk about the Oedipal co- complex, and this is we are seeing it unravel right now. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. We actually are seeing it. I know we are seeing it. So hopefully Genie will take over. Ooh. Sooner than later. (laughs) And hopefully they bring Magic back and Jerry West back and all the great Lakers. Mm -hmm. My God almighty. I watched the Lakers first in 1962. Wow. Yeah. I remember coming to the sports arena. Oh, sports arena. Yeah, sports arena. And I just come, well, almost had been here a year. And was introduced to Chick Hearn. Oh, He yeah. sat at a wooden table in the old sports arena. The old sports, I remember the sports yeah. arena. Oh, Imagine yeah. that. I used to watch Rams games in the sports arena. Yeah. When they were here the first time. Well, uh, at the Coliseum. Wait, Coliseum, sorry, Coliseum, right. yeah. I saw the first game I saw with the Rams, early 60s against the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, my God, that's so yeah. funny. Oh, my God. Wait, so wait, I'm going to ask you. And so then I, I had, then I have to mention this, I yeah. had the enormous honor to work with Jim Brown. Oh, you did. yeah, Jim Brown. That's right, you did. Jim we talked about Brown. it last night. Yes, Jim Brown's the bomb. Wow. Yes, such respect for that guy. What a man! Like a man. What a man! Oh, yes, this man. Athlete. Yeah. What an athlete. Yeah, you know, enormous respect for him. He and I used to talk a lot about Vietnam at the time and about civil rights, oh, yeah. and we had some arguments. But on the whole, he says, "You stubborn German son of a bitch," and I said, "You bet." <laughs> I say what I think, and I. But we respected each other enormously, yeah. and I obviously. And then we played tennis together sometimes. Yeah. But what an athlete. But see, My people God. like him, Muhammad Ali, right. but who really put their careers on the line for speaking right. out. We don't have that. Well, maybe we'll have it again. Maybe now I'll have it again. But yeah. this, that's been missing. Where yes. they really did suffer yes. consequences for, yes. their, for their words and their feelings. That's right. You were there. I mean, you know. I mean, oh, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. these, are, these are people I admire so much that they were like, they were still creative, they were these kind of, but they still had strong feelings to fight for the rights, which you, of course, could understand. You bet, fully understand. You totally and, understand uh, that. Yeah. You got it. So, okay, so you're going to be at the Grove today, Barnes & Noble. Oh, my God, yes. 7 p.m. I forgot. <laughs> Oh, we didn't forget. I show up. <laughs> yes, you got some time. Oh, you got to show up. She's going to be there <laughs> signing, signing his great new book, of course. Um, you want to get this book. This book is so good. I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, if you're a fan of his, if you're just learning about him, get it. This will give you a nice picture of Mr. Eric Braden, of course. James, I appreciate it enormously. And one thing I am saying without, um, without hesitation, you and I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the fans. Very true. Tell them. Tell them. I agree. It it is. It is. uh, We owe you so much. We do. And we try to give you as much as we can. Mm -hmm. But we owe you. We owe you sitting here, being on Y&R for 37 years, having been in the business since 1962. I owe that to the fans. I will never forget it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's, That's very, very true. The fans... You do it for us every time. Thank you very much for watching this interview. You can go to Books Online on YouTube and iTunes. You can download the interview. You can hear him. If you want to hear his voice, he has a nice voice. You want to hear his voice, you can listen to it there. Or watch it over and over again on YouTube. You can follow me at James Lodge Jr. He's at E. Braden on Twitter. And again, Barnes & Noble tonight, 7 p.m. at the Grove here in L.A. Go see him. Get a book signed. Shake his hand. Tell him he's doing a great job. And we'll see you next time. James, thank you very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO. 
join the circle.